father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Hello, and welcome to What's Lightsabers Precious? The Musical! Starring Ryan! And Joanna gotta dance! Gotta dance! It's the Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Cycle Podcast, where we waste time on fictional wikis! And scene. And scene. Good musical. That was good! I think they got everybody, like, properly amped. You couldn't see our jazz hands, but we were wiggling around. Trying to start things on an upbeat note, because, full disclosure, today's episode is really sad. At least on the Lord of the Rings side of things. Mine is super depressing, too. Well, what is- is yours the next Jedi Prince book? (sighs) Okay, yeah, that is really depressing. So strap in, everybody, and prepare to be sad. So what's new, Joanna? In terms of Lord of the Rings? Uh, yeah, sure. There's only one new thing, and I can't actually determine the extent to which this has been verified. But do you remember how I said that for the rights alone, Amazon had to pay the Tolkien estate and, like, various other entities $250 million? Yes. Well, there's rumors going around right now that the production and marketing is going to cost another $250 million. So that would mean that this series would cost half a billion dollars wow altogether and that so to give you a sense of scale so peter jackson's lord of the rings trilogy cost 280 million for all three movies so it's like almost twice as much as it costs for all three of those movies well if you ingest for inflation and uh, well yeah okay that's fair i guess but even with inflation (laughs) that is a Staggering amount of money. Staggering. Spare no expense I mean, for the works of daddy's books. Am- yeah. Amazon is clearly banking on a lot of people subscribing to Amazon Prime to watch this series. I mean, this is Amazon money. It means nothing. Like, it's- That's true. Jeff Bezos is like the richest man in the world and he also eats iguanas, so. Yeah, it's his favorite food. <laughs> his favorite food is iguanas. Seriously, guys, look this up. He ate an iguana. Last weekend, it was insane. And it wasn't like a cut-up iguana where, like, with most meat, you can't really tell what it used to be. It is like a whole, a whole-ass iguana. Scales and all. Just, like, on a plate, and it looks like it's sleeping, and he's just, like, holding it up like, hey, I eat iguanas. He has this... Yummy, yummy, yummy iguanas. I'm Jeff Bezos of Amazon. I can buy whatever food I want and whatever Lord of the Rings show I want. Clearly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that show while eating 20 iguanas. By the way, the part of Gollum in this prequel series will be played by an iguana. And then halfway through, Jeff Bezos will come out and eat it. Oh, no. No, but what's weird is, at least the USA Today article about this, calls it the proposed Lord of the Rings prequel. Which I feel is a little bit more definite than is maybe warranted. We don't know for a fact. There's been a lot of speculation that it will be a prequel. But we don't know for sure that it will be. Okay. So, unless something's been released that I'm not aware of. I don't know. Interesting. But anyway, is there any Star Wars news? Uh, not really. There's been a couple new uh, Blu-ray deleted scenes from Star Wars Last Jedi. Ooh. Uh, I think we cut it out last time, but there's one with Finn fighting Phasma that's a little changed up and different. There's also one that's really weird. It's a, it's a cameo by Tom Hardy. Okay. People love Tom Hardy. And he plays a stormtrooper oh. with a southern accent. Oh, wait. And, and okay. He, and he talks to Finn and it's really stupid. Wait, like stupid how? Like pointless? Like just silly. Like he's like, I remember you, FN whatever your number was, and 
wow, you're an officer now. Cause he's like dressed up like an officer um, oh. on board the, uh, the Star Destroyer. And it's really dumb. And there's another scene where <laughs> Luke makes Ray think that the village of those, of those like um, frog nuns yeah. on his island is on fire. So she's running across the beach with a lightsaber on, which is really dangerous. Seems oh, like really yeah, don't idea. run with that thing out. Yeah, I mean, don't run with scissors. Don't run with a lightsaber. Right. Gosh. But she runs there, and she throws up in the gates of their village, and all the fire smoke that she's seeing, because they're having a party. And they're cooking iguanas? Jeff Bezos is Jeff there. Jeff Bezos is there and eating iguanas. No, Luke Dunn fooled her, and he laughs at her. He's like, you thought I was in trouble, but really, they're just dancing around. Okay, that is that is pointless. Yeah. And sort of petty, but I do like Luke being kind of, like, annoying to Ray. And then Ray's like, what the heck, dude? My friends are totally going to get dead if I don't help them. What are you doing? Why are you playing jokes at me? She's like, whatever, man. And Luke just, like, sucks on some juice from a monster boob. It's a prank, bro. It's a prank. Just a prank, bro. Funny. Luke is truly the Logan Paul of the Star Wars universe. Absolutely. So, are you going to continue the story of the children of Hurin today? Yes, Ryan. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready to be so sad? I could handle last week. I'm sure I can survive this one. Well, I did promise last time that things were only going to get worse for our hero, Turin, son of Hurin. And I wasn't just BSing about that. Okay. But before we watch Turin suffer, let's briefly review the story so far. So Turin is a man of Dorloman, which is a land ruled by his dad, Hurin. But unfortunately, Hurin has been captured by Morgoth, and Dorloman has been overrun by Morgoth's minions. In light of this, Turin's mom, Morwen, has sent him to live with the elves in the forest kingdom of Doriath. And while things have gone well in Doriath initially, Turin has fled the Elvish kingdom after accidentally killing this total wiener named Saros. Mm-hmm. Turin's best friend, Beleg, has been sent to bring Turin back to Doriath. But Turin is having none of that. And now Turin has been captured by a band of orcs because of racism. Mm-hmm. And Beleg is on his way to rescue him. We good on all that? Oh, yes. Okay. So, as he's tracking Turin, Beleg stumbles across another elf wandering lost in the forest. This elf is called Gwyndor, and he is mutilated. Oh, no. Like, all carved up, almost beyond recognition. Belag is like, dude, what happened to you? Woof. Buzz's girlfriend, woof. And Gwyndor tells him a very tragic tale. So 14 years earlier, it transpires that Gwyndor had been a prince in an elvish kingdom called Nargothrond. And now he wants you to send him 10,000 gold pieces immediately so that he can buy his... Yeah, because, uh, you know, your long-lost uncle in Nigeria has passed away and all this money is just sitting in an account. Yeah. And nobody's there to claim it. You'd be doing him a big favor if you would just take some of this money. Yeah. So he was a prince in Nargothrond. And not only that, but he had been engaged to a princess whose name was Finduilas. Not only that, but he was renowned as a fierce and skilled warrior. So as a result, Gwyndor had been deployed at the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, Mm -hmm. which we've mentioned a number of times now. Did not go well. Unnumbered times. Yeah, (laughs) we mentioned unnumbered times. Unnumbered tears. Unnumbered tears. A number of times. That should be like Michigan State motto. <laughs> instead, of, instead of Great Lakes, Great Times. Unnumbered tears, tears, unnumbered times. times. What do you think fills our Great Lakes? Tears. Unnumbered tears. Of unbaptized infants. Anyway, so at this battle, Gwyndor saw his brother killed right in front of him. So he'd gone into a sort of berserker rage and tried to attack Morgoth directly. However, he was ultimately captured, and he spent the next 14 years as a slave to Morgoth, who tortured and mutilated him. 14 years of Morgoth's slave. Um, I would watch it if it starred Benedict Cumberbatch. As Gwyndor? As Gwyndor. That'd be cool. Who would be Morgoth? I was going to say Danny DeVito. 
Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be really good. (laughs) Okay. I keep slowing you down. (laughs) No, it's fine. You have lots to talk about. Now, having finally escaped Morgoth, Gwyndor is wandering lost and afraid through the forest, just trying to make his way home. So Gwyndor's like, please, my elf brother, help me find my way back to my people. And Belag is like, oh, totally, but um, uh, can you help me find my friend first? And Gwyndor's like, okay. I guess. I mean, he's been away from home this long, so what's a few more days, right? Sure. So, Belag and Gwyndor soon come across the band of orcs that has captured Turin, and they find Turin all tied up and unconscious. So, Belag uses his sword to cut the ropes binding Turin. But, unfortunately, as he's doing this, his hand slips and he cuts Turin just a little bit. What? He's a little bit. Of a I thought cut. elves were really dexterous. And I mean, compared to regular people. never made mistakes. Okay, ever. he's literally using like a great sword to cut ropes around somebody's wrists and ankles. He'd probably be a little more careful. Yeah, definitely. He does, should... he have, does he have like a knife on him? I thought all elves had like a cool, like curved knife. He apparently that glitters does not. like the moon. If he did, do you think he'd be using a great sword? I mean, he was supposed to show off to his new friend. Maybe. Yeah, that could be true. So he cuts Turin a little bit. And Turin startles awake, and assuming the orcs have finally decided to kill him, he snatches the sword from Belag and just lashes out wildly, like, ah! And kills Belag. <laughs> oh no, this uh, is so tragic. And what makes it extra dramatic is that this is happening during a rainstorm, and a flash of lightning reveals Belag's dead body to Turin, and he realizes what he's done. Oh my god. He's like, no! So Tolkien really wrote that like that? With like- oh yeah! Oh yeah, there's like a flash of lightning and he sees Belag's dead face. That's and- so dramatic. And as was the case when Saros died, Turin goes crazy with remorse, but even more so now because Belag was like his best bro. So he's just absolutely witless with grief, which must have made things a little bit awkward for Gwyndor. He doesn't know this guy. Gwyndor's <laughs> like, hi, we haven't met before. My name's Gwyndor and, um... But the dude he just killed said so you're gonna help me out and like, but you killed him so, so like, like you know I'm in kind of a weird spot now you know what I'm saying but Turin can't even respond he's just like blah, blah, blah. he's like dissociating hardcore yeah. he refuses to let go of Belag's corpse oh no so Gwyndor waits until morning and buries Belag and he finally convinces Turin to come away with him to Nargothrond. <laughs> Once they get to Gwyndor's hometown, Turin snaps out of his funk a little bit and he turns on that famous Manish charm. And he impresses the king of Nargothrond, King Orodreth, and he quickly becomes chief counsel of the king and commander of the elvish forces. That's and, a pretty quick turnaround. Oh, I know. And this is like a pattern for him, as you'll see. Yeah. So, um, also, King Orodreth's daughter falls in love with him. Well, that makes it... That's how convenient. Well, it really sucks for Gwyndor because King Orodreth's daughter is Princess... Finduilas, the same Princess Finduilas Gwyndor was formerly engaged to. Um, but Gwyndor has a wicked bad PTSD now, and his face is like all messed up and he looks rough. And meanwhile, Turin is like a charismatic master and he's a strapping young gentleman with an ass like granite, so it's obvious who Finduilas picks. Poor Gwyndor. I know. It sucks, right? He didn't ask for any of this. I know. Well, around this time, Turin got it into his head that he should attack Morgoth directly because that's worked out so well up to this point, right? Morgoth decides to meet Turin's forces with one of his dragons, Glaurung the Golden. Oh, I remember, remember him? him. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we're told that Glaurung was given independent command of Morgoth's forces in this skirmish and that it was the first time Glaurung had ever been put in charge by his boss. He's like a dragon general. Yeah, so I guess like all that ass kissing and bootlicking finally paid off for him, right? He was able to climb the ranks. I mean, I'd listen to a dragon. I mean, I would feel like a dragon would be naturally... A good military leader. I would think. I mean, not only that, they have the aerial advantage. But you know, Glaurung was a bit of a hothead. 
Nyuck, 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 nyuck. Cut that the hell out. For the no, record, we're keeping it. Okay. Your shame is in this podcast forever. For the record, Gwyndor totally advised Turin against attacking Morgoth directly. Like, I mean, Gwyndor knew better than anyone that this was a crappy idea, and he had the facial and full body scars to prove it. But Turin was like, Gwyndor, you're just mad because your lady's hot for me. And he didn't listen. So just as you would expect, Turin and the Elvish forces got their asses handed to them. And Glaurung and company proceed to sack Nagrathron and enslave its people. So Turin makes it back to Nagrathron as all this is transpiring, and he tries to rescue his adopted homeland. However, Turin isn't the only one who can turn on the charm. Glaurung, too, is quite the charismatic SOB. He's a big shiny gold dragon, of he course. He is. So Turin's like, have at you, worm! And Glaurung is like... Hey, Turin, when was the last time you saw your mom and sis? And Turin's like, well, this is ages ago, but how is that relevant? And Glowering's like, you should go to Dor Loman and check on them. Turin's like, what? No, but I have to save Nargothron. And Glowering is like, go check on them, Turin. And Turin's like, okay. All the cool kids are doing it. Go check it on All the f- cool kids are checking on their mom and sister and Dor Loman. You want to be cool, don't you? Just go do it, man. So Glaurung enchants Turin and convinces him to turn around and leave Nargothron to the ravages of Morgoth's forces. With that dragon vision, right? Well, yeah. So BT Dubs, one of the elves that Glaurung completely enslaved, is Princess Fwinduilas, the gal who was in love with Turin. So Turin just, like, leaves her to her fate. Well, he was enchanted. It's not entirely his fault. I suppose so, but right around then, Princess Fwinduilas must have been thinking, like, wow, I should have stuck with Gwyndor. Yeah. <laughs> this I just, sucks. This nice guy in front of me all along. And, and I, I had to go this... for the Chad. Yeah. That's how they are. Yeah. Those vapid um, gals, as they say. It is what they say. <laughs> they do say vapid gals. Oh, it's vapid gals. <laughs> so Turin rides cross-country to Dor Loman to check on his mom and sis. But when he gets there, he learns that his mom and sis aren't even in Dor Loman. They packed up and moved to Doriath ages ago. Now, did Glorong know that? Yes. Yes, oh yes, Glorong knew that. Oh yes. So Turin's like, Glorong, you deceiver! And he rides back towards Nargothron to try to save Finduilas, which, spoiler alert, in case you're bad at pattern recognition, he doesn't. So he tracks Finduilas' captors to the city called Brethel, but once he gets there, he learns that she's already been murdered. Oops. So once again, Turin is inconsolable. (laughs) Also, once again, he manages to charm the leadership of the city to the point where he eventually becomes a leader of Brethel. Okay, okay. I, I feel like I feel like Turin might be a little bit of a sociopath. He's not a sociopath. He's just like naturally so cool. Like such a cool and strong and like smart guy that and, and it's not like he's mounting an insurrection. The leader the previous leader of Brethel just like, I don't know, like died or something. I'm just saying, he has these moments of inconsolable grief and then like almost immediately turns around and is like, hey, I'm your friend now. I say almost immediately. It's it's almost immediately maybe in terms of like elf lifespan. But in terms of mannish lifespan, it's not that brief. It's like over the period of years. Oh, okay. okay. Right? But he does have like this weird, very specific way of dealing with grief where like every time he's bereaved he becomes an important figure in a foreign nation. Yeah. It's very strange. It kind of works out for him. So, okay. That is, that is is like the, the seventh stage of grief. It is. It is. So there's like bargaining, denial, anger, and then there's become the figurehead of an important nation. Yeah. Yeah. That's just how it goes. So ultimately, Turin didn't go check on his mom and sister, right? And this is actually very unfortunate. 
You see, in Torin's absence, the king of Doriath, Thingol, sent out his own forces to attack Glaurung in Nargothrond. And since Turin's mom had heard a rumor that her son was in Nargothrond, she decided to disguise herself and go with the army to see if she can find Turin. And Turin's sis has also disguised herself and tagged along to try and protect her mom. And this is how the two of them come across Glaurung. Not only that, but Glaurung enchants Turin's sister, Nienor, so that her mind just becomes completely blank and she doesn't know who she is or what she is doing. So Glaurung totally scatters the Elvish army. Nienor ends up all alone and she doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't even remember how to talk. And so she eventually collapses in exhaustion upon this like random grave in the forest. Okay. Which I think we can all agree is like a prime location for collapsing in exhaustion. It's pretty dramatic again. Very dramatic. Coincidentally, this happens to be the grave of Princess Fintuilas in Brethel. Oh, okay. And even more coincidentally, Turin chooses that time to visit the grave of Princess Fintuilas and cry big baby tears over how he should have saved her. And his sister's there and doesn't know who she is. Turin gets to the grave, yeah, and he sees this beautiful young woman sleeping on it. Now. I remember you said last week he had not met her ever. Yes. Last episode, I told you Turin and Nienor have never met. And Nienor has now completely lost her memory and all her faculties at this point. She can't even remember how to speak. And she is very beautiful. So, right about now, you probably have a sinking feeling in your gut. Yeah, it's kind of Oedipus Rex feeling. Yeah, you should listen to that sinking feeling because things are about to get Fifty Shades of Wrong. So Nienor wakes up and she sees Turin. And she and Turin immediately develop a strong attraction to one another. And Nienor's thinking, well, I may not know who I am or where I am or how to talk right now, but I know a tight package when I see one. Wait, so how did they know that was like a consensual thing? She can't talk or, or, or express herself. Well, we know because it's an omniscient narrator. Okay. How did Turin know? Uh, I don't know, the look in her eyes. That body language, baby. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Turin's like, girl, you are completely silent. I like that. Yeah, girls who don't talk. So they get married, and almost immediately Nienor gets pregnant. But on the plus side, she and Turin live in happiness for a little while, which is like pretty much the only happiness Turin ever knows in his life. But it's a tainted happiness by the taint of incest. Mm, well, they don't know it at the time, do they? Does that make it not incest? Is it like a, if a tree falls in the forest, does it uh, have a baby with its sister? Like, is it <laughs> that sort of thing? It's exactly that sort of thing. Wow. The new morality is all relevant, shades of gray, hoo-hoo-poo-poo-hoo. But anyway, after a number of years, who should end up crashing the party but frickin' Glaurung, right? Oh, I bet he's gonna love this. Oh, he does love this. He's like, oh, you know, like, you know who's really fun to torment? Turin. I haven't tormented Turin in a while. It's like, like he's he's like the school bully. He's just, he's pantsed him a whole bunch. Right. And now he's come back at the high school reunion. He's like, oh, he's like, boy. All right, my Boy, he's about to get it. So Glaurung comes to destroy Brethel. Yeah. And Turin's like, not this time, Glaurung. Not today, Satan. And he leads an expedition to cut Glaurung off. And while Glaurung is crossing a ravine, Turin rides up under him and stabs him in the gut. Does that work? Yeah, it does, actually. Glowering falls to the side of the ravine, and he's just lying there slowly dying. So is he like a smog where he had like one little spot that was like a, like a squishy belly spot? Like you a- might have. I'm not actually sure like what the other dragon's weak spots were. Yeah, with smog, it was just where the one scale was missing. Yeah. But with Glowering, yeah, maybe his whole underbelly. I'm not sure. Hmm. But it works, and so he's just lying in the ravine like, oh, you got me. My only weakness, a sword. <laughs> <laughs> just like a sword. 
stupid weakness to have. Morgoth should have thought that one through. Yeah. Maybe swords weren't invented when he committed Clover. <laughs> so, I never thought that if it's a pointy, sharp implement to stab my creations, <laughs> blast it all! So Turin decides he really wants to rub salt in the wound, so he rides up to Glaurung. And puts salt in his wound. No, he, he yanks his sword out of Glaurung's belly. He's like, I'll take that, yoink! And puts in a big block of rock salt. No, no. But blood does spurt from the wound, and the blood is so hot that it literally burns the skin off Turin's hand. <laughs> Dummy. It's like, and Turin's like, I didn't know that was going to happen! And he faints in agony. So the bully wins. The bully was sort of. At least temporarily. It's the last laugh anyway. Like. Yeah, because his hand has been, like, clubbed. <laughs> Gee whiz. Now, Nienor, in fear for her husband's life, has ridden up from Brethel to check on him. And she gets there and she sees Turin lying in a pool of scalding hot blood. <laughs> oh, boy. And naturally assumes he's been killed. So while she's weeping over what she assumes is his lifeless corpse, Glowering cracks an eye open and with his dying breath, he goes... You guys are brother and sister, just so you know. Peace. <laughs> Peace out. Oh, Glowering's awesome. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Glowering's style. I like how he just, he's, every step of the way, he just wants to mess with this human and just, like, make him feel bad. Like, he didn't and, have to do that. Like, he, but he could have done anything with his dying breath. He could have, like, you know, sent out a message to his, his forebears. Or, no, like, he just has to be petty as hell. Yeah. <laughs> So he tells uh, her, and, and then the instant glowering passes away, the spell of forgetfulness he placed on Yenor evaporates. Oh, God. And she remembers everything. And she realizes that not only has she married her brother, but she's also carrying an unholy incest baby inside her body. Yeah. So she throws herself off a cliff and into a river and dies. That's pretty heavy stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, what would you do? I'm not sure. I mean, a lot, a lot turns people end up dying in rivers, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Rivers are bad things for them. They should, you know, but at least she wasn't naked slipping on a rock this time. <laughs> yeah, so shortly after that, Turin wakes up. And one of his men, Brander, is there. And I guess Brander has been watching the entire time? In which case, I kind of don't understand why Brander didn't try to stop Nyaner from killing herself, but apparently he was like, hey, not my circus, not my monkeys. Hey man, live and let live, you know? Right? So, not my business. I'm I'm out. So Brander informs Turin that his wife is dead, and Turin is once again inconsolable. But before he can find another foreign kingdom to assume leadership of... Brandor, for some freaking reason, decides to add, oh yeah, and BT Dubs, a dragon said you and your wife were siblings too? Just putting that out there? Again, I'm just like, don't kill the messenger, man. I'm just telling you like it is. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. And so I have no idea why Brandor would tell him this. Like, the dragon is dead. Nienor is dead. Anyone else who would have known is gone. And it seems like it would be a totally moot point. So... Brandor was was watching this whole yes. time, so he watched his friend get degloved by dragon blood, <laughs> yes. and then Yena right up and be like, "He's dead!" And then the dragon tell her that she was Turin's sister, and her being like, "Oh my god!" and like throw herself into a and river. Just watch. He's like, oh, "Wow!" And he's just like, "Wow, this is messed up." Wow, is this messed up? Or- wow. I think he's Can we dub by- in Owen Wilson being like, "Wow, wow." Yeah. By the way, uh, you're. Uh- yeah, your, it was your sister. Wow. 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 I did not see that coming. Wow. Not, wow. 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 <laughs> so Brandor tells him. And Mablung, another member of the army, is like, yeah, that's true. The dragon did say that. I heard it. And so upon hearing this and following a lifetime of just nonstop suffering, Turin decides to end it all and he throws himself upon his sword. Yeah. 
What else are you going to do, right? And that's where Children of Hearn ends. But there's this fragmentary postscript that was included in another work called The Wanderings of Hurin. So after Hurin is finally out of Morgoth's clutches, he goes looking for the grave of his children. And when he finds it, his wife Morwen is already there. And Morwen is so sad over the tragic fate of her offspring that she just falls into her husband's arms and dies. The end. Golly. <laughs> Oh. So Huron was watching the whole time too, though, right? Oh, he saw everything. He saw everything. He saw, like, Turin Senior and be like, well, hello there. And he's like, no, no, no. And then he saw them, like, get engaged or whatever. He's like, oh my god. He just can't do anything about it. So what'd you think? Thrill a minute. Great, uplifting story. Fun for the whole family. Can't wait to see it on Amazon's new show. Can you imagine if that was Amazon's show? I can't wait to see Brandor being played by Owen Wilson. I can't wait to see a man get degloved by Dragon Blood and an incest storyline. I mean, tragedy. if Game of Thrones can do it. See, that's the one thing. I often said, like, oh, they're trying to make another Game of Thrones for Amazon. But this is, like, the one area in which those properties kind of intersect, right? Like the the really, brother-sister incest theme. I think they're really into it. And I feel like there'd be a demographic of Tumblr who's like, no, it's okay. It's pure. They don't know. It's okay. Yeah, it's totally justifiable. Love is love. Love is love. Wow, what a story. What a... Wow. 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 So, like, men, they just do it all wrong, don't they? Yeah. Nobody does it better. Like so many people By doing it worse. were hurt in the in the the splash damage of of Turin's life, right? Turin's life. Because that's the thing. Morgoth, technically, he only cursed Turin's family, but like a lot of other people got taken down with them. So much collateral damage. I know. Like let's so let's see. So like Belig, all the people of Nargothrond, mm-hmm. Gwyndor, um, Gwyndor. Yeah, Gwyndor did end up dying. Who else? The a princess. lot of the people of Dor- Dorloman. Yeah. Princess Fuinduilas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything he up. touched turned to crap. Enough crap to fertilize cement. Yeah. Again, you start with that folksy saying. It's my favorite saying right now. Enough poop to fertilize cement. I heard it in a podcast. And I'm like, oh my God. So anyway, you said you have a sad story too. Well, in some ways. Uh, I, I made a big groaning noise earlier about the next Jedi Prince book. Because that's what I'm covering today. But it's actually, a, I think it's a pretty entertaining one. Okay. Queen of the Empire is what it's called as book five. Now, do you remember what happened in book four? A lot of nothing. Um, they went to, like, this paradise planet for, like, a chapter. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy who crushes balls kind of, like, made his big move to seize control. Supreme Prophet Kadam, yeah. Yeah. Trioculus had been frozen in carbonite. And then Trioculus got captured by Zorba. And then the Empire vaporized him because there was, like, no proof that he was the Emperor's son, which, like, there was no proof to begin with. Yeah, the Triculus, his, his carbonite block got vaporized. Yeah. Ken got, like, locked in an airlock because you want to go to school. Yeah. And then they found Triclops, and he's, like, basically Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. And he keeps saying this, like, woman's name, mm-hmm. but nobody knows who it is. Yep. You remembered a lot. Yeah. Not a lot happened. I remembered a lot of, like, a very unmemorable book. Yeah. God, it was not good. Well, what about this one? Is it an improvement? Queen of the Empire is. Okay, well, okay, let's so hear. Chapter one is called Project Decoy. And so it starts on the spin base back on Dagobah, Mount, Mount Yoda. Yeah. And there's a couple of Chadra fan scientists. Now, do you know what a Chadra fan is? Chadra, like a fan of Chadra's. You got it. Like, exactly. I live for Chad. I'm in the Chadra, Chadra fandom. Chadra. No. Like on Tumblr, all those Chadra blogs. You see one in the cantina. Okay. Do you remember the little bat person? No. Let's find a picture of Cabe. This little guy. 
Oh, yeah, I remember that. That guy's super cute. Yeah, so there's a couple of these scientists yeah. on at Mount Yoda, and they're showing off their latest invention to the spin group. It's a human replica droid of Princess Leia. Why would they make that? Why would that be necessary? Princess Leia the second. I feel like there is no savory reason why they would make an android replica of Princess Leia. There is absolutely no non-creepy sexual reason why they would make that. Yeah. Now they show it to, to Luke and Han and Ken. Yeah. And they each have a different reaction. I want you to guess whose reaction is whose, okay? Okay. <laughs> so first reaction. First reaction. This is really creepy. Hmm. That's got to be Luke. Okay. It's fantastic. Ken. Who is that lady? Oh, wait, no, that has to be Ken. So who said it's fantastic? Wait. Okay, maybe Han was the one that said it's creepy because, like, the only thing he's sexually attracted to recently is Sky Houses. Yeah. So, so Han said it's creepy, Luke said it's fantastic, and then Ken said, who is that lady? Bing, 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 bing. Oh, did I get it? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. Who is that lady? Who is that lady? I just picked, like, the dumbest one <laughs> for Ken and then the most, like, like crabby one yeah. for Han Solo. So the chapter fans are like, she has all the best features, and plus she can shoot lasers out of her eyes. What? There's one thing Princess Leia was lacking. So what could possibly go wrong, right? Nothing Nothing could go wrong with an android, with a, like a self-willed android that can shoot lasers out of its eyes. Absolutely nothing. Because almost immediately it shoots one of the scientists, Fandar, and Does knocks him out. Does he die? No, he gets, he, he gets shot in the heart. <laughs> oh, but he doesn't die. But yeah, he, if you he, get shot in the heart, typically you're just knocked unconscious, so. Thankfully they have two hearts, Chatter fans. He gets shot in one of his hearts and he's bleeding out. Woo! Must have been for just that contingency. And they're like, oh, oh, oh no, I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> so they have this bleeding out Chatter fan, they're like, who can help us? Who can, who's got healing abilities? Who can rhyme while doing it? Oh, shut up. This, this is where he comes, this is where Banksy shows up. Baji. Baji, this is where Baji shows up. Yeah, they call him Baji. Not seen since book two. The the healer, the Hoden healer Baji. You know what? He could have just stayed in book two. So he checks out Fandar and says, Fandar's right heart pumps on, but his left one is nearly gone. Transplant another heart with no delays, or death shall come in just three days. I hope they take Ken's heart. (laughs) It's like, wow, you gotta break a few eggs. (laughs) I think they wish they could, but unfortunately it has to be a Chatter fan heart. So Leia and Han and R2-D2 and C-3PO, they take Fandar and the Millennium Falcon to the home planet of the Chatter fan called Chad. Okay. A whole planet of Chads. A whole planet of Chads. Boy, Chads come up, like... A lot. A lot in this podcast. It's really kind of unaccountable. They also mentioned it's the dairy capital of the galaxy. Okay. And now, this is like every Jedi Prince book has some sort of environmental spin. Right. Last book, it was Toxic Sludge. Smart dairy in- farming? Well... There's a huge hurricane storm system over Chad, and Han explains it's because of all the lactyls making methane. <gasps> lactyls are like space cows, and all their space farts are making a hurricane <laughs> over Chad. <laughs> you imagine the only thing worse than a hurricane is a hurricane made of farts? Yeah. Do they mention that it like smells really terrible? They don't mention it, but I'm sure it would smell. I'm sure it would smell. It's a hurricane of cow farts. And so they fly through the hurricane of cow farts. <laughs> Millennium Falcon gets really beat up, but they actually... It gets beat up by cow farts? But they finally make it to the Chadder family. It's like hospital. The one thing our shielding wasn't built to withstand. Force. <laughs> That's chapter one. Cool. Chapter right. two. It's also a rip roaring starter. Actually, chapter two is called Rock Slide on Chad. So there is a rock slide on Chad. Okay. End it, of chapter. It falls onto a corridor in the hospital where Han and R two are caught. Yeah. Leia uses a boulder dozer's laser to burn them out of the rubble. Okay. And that's the chapter. Okay. So it literally <laughs> was. It was called. 
a rock slide on Chad, and what happened was a rock slide on Chad, and that literally was just it. And then Leia used the construction laser to burn them out of the rubble. I didn't realize that Leia had, like, a class F license. I don't think she does. <laughs> okay. Legal usage. She's going to use her, her, her forklift license. She couldn't find one. Uh, chapter three is called Han Solo's Big Plans. Oh my god! So back on Mount Yoda, Luke, Chewie, and Ken, they're watching Triclops while he sleeps. And Ken, oh, he looks so cute when he he's sleeps. He's so innocent. He's <laughs> mumbling. Ken explains that Triclops often has dreams where he invents plans for new weapons and deadly war machines. Oh my god. And he talks in his sleep, so the Empire keeps him alive just for that purpose. Just so they can write it down. It's like, oh, he's saying good things. Like, oh, yeah, it's a little super laser to put on this moon. Ah. you imagine, Ryan, if, like, the Empire was listening to all your dreams and they were, like, using them to draft plans for global domination? Yeah. Universal domination? Yeah, I, that'd be wonderful. They'd be like, okay, so what we need to do is... First, we, we have to... to make it so that he uh, is going to be late for a class he didn't sign up for and that he forgot to... There's a test today. He gets there, he realizes he's in his underwear, and then for some reason Danny DeVito is there and yeah. Danny DeVito is just telling him what a horrible person he is yeah and then you know the teacher announces that there's going to be an ice cream party but he's not invited this is an unusual weapon but the rebellion will hate it <laughs> meanwhile back on Chad Fandar has a successful heart transplant and so Han and Leia and the droids they say let's get out of here let's go and Leia's like we're going back to Dagobah and Han's like no time for Han Solo's big plans oh I don't even want to know what they are because I think I already know we're going to hologram fun world what is this really the time Lando's new amusement park is this really the time and we're, what we're gonna do there princess guess what we're gonna elope oh my god but he's been like nothing but an freaking irredeemable a-hole this whole story why would she want to elope with him he's already like in a domestic partnership with Chewie because Han Solo's big plans but didn't he say earlier he's like Corellians aren't the marrying type or like whatever it was remember he found a wedding ring in the last book and now he's like I just gotta do it and he mentions also like his life flashed before his eyes and he was buried by rubble during the landslide on Chad okay <laughs> <laughs> he's been in worse straits but okay yeah but that made him realize I have to do it now oh, he, like found a wedding he's just like this really really cheap guy he's like well I have it I and it's like really well. expensive I, I don't want to like waste it it's like how when your grandpa takes you to the amusement park and he makes you ride on like every single scary ride even though you're not having fun just because he wants yeah. to get his money's worth your money's worth yeah that's based on a true story that you had that's based on a true story that I have but I think a lot of people can relate to that that's chapter 3 yeah Hansel's big plans chapter 4 is called hologram fun world <laughs> but it doesn't start there it actually starts on cloud city with the Zorba getting audited <laughs> <laughs> so much like reality into it like yeah. for-profit prisons getting audited for tax fraud you know what kids love they love trade negotiations they love auditing <laughs> they love everything so always really speaks to the younger generation and so there's this auditing droid who tells Zorba his casino hotel has lost 18,545,372 credits in a month uh oh all because of freaking hologram fun world taking all his business Oh, no, wait, does he have, like, a competing amusement park? No, because, like, Hologram Fun World is, like, a family-safe attraction. Yeah. It's, like, a Disney World, whereas, like, the casino hotel is, like, definitely, like, a Las Vegas or gotcha. Atlantic City kind of place. I gotcha. And all, it, it, it's, there's, you know, there's a hut in charge now with Cloud City. There's a lot of more crime going on. And they say, I don't want to take the kids to that kind of danger. I want to take them to Hologram Fun World. And so... Maybe Zorba was like, okay, so to recapture that market, you know what I'm going to build? A for-profit prison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he already built that. He's already set yeah. up on Tatooine yes. now. So to get back at that, Zorba hires all the bounty hunters he can find on Cloud City 
to terrorize the guests, rob the banks, tank entertainers, hostages, and destroy the hologram rides of Hologram Fun World. So the hologram, so is it just like Oculus Rift where you just like put glasses on and you're not actually riding anything? No, it's, it's like Star Wars, so they can actually build entire amusements out of holograms. You don't have to put on goggles or anything, you're just like walking around in holograms and stuff. Like the Tupac hologram. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's walking around Tupac, they're like, hey, hey, <laughs> hope you're having fun. My fun world. <laughs> He's like the Mickey Mouse of Hologram Fun World. <laughs> Tupac. Yeah, pictures with Tupac. And so they all fly to Hologram Fun World to mess things up. Where, of course, Han and Leia are. And they arrive in the Millennium Falcon, and we get a little conversation between them. I got a bit of Reader's Theater this time. Oh, boy. I really like this because it kind of. Princess Leia hasn't had a lot to do in these books, I She's feel like. She's not really. And I feel like this book gives her a lot of agency. Cool. And so let's read this, this uh, conversation with them, okay? All right. So Han and Leia are in the Millennium Falcon flying toward Hologram Fun World. Feast your eyes on Hologram Fun World, where a few short hours from now we'll become husband and wife. I beg your pardon. You mean where a few short hours from now we'll become bride and groom? Psh, same difference. Hardly. Husband and wife implies that the masculine gender belongs in the first position, whereas bride and groom... Fine, fine, no problem. If bride and groom makes the princess happy, then have it your way. Like they say, ladies first and all that. Exactly. So Leia's a bit kind of woke. Whoa, Leia. Yeah. Awesome. Tearing down gender norms. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Han, I I don't know. I hope you know what you're signing up for, dude, because it's going to be like a lifetime of that. He's such a jerk in these books. He really is. So Lando shows him around. He gives him the full hologram experience. They go hover skiing inside the mouth of an erupting volcano. They're swallowed by a huge whaleodon and swam out of its belly. They ride on the back of a star dragon, a duanguin, as left from mountaintop and... Okay, this is all holograms, though. All holograms. Okay, <laughs> Just, I feel like that's an important distinction. And last, visit a hologram version of Alderaan, where Princess Leia is very oh, happy. Oh, well, that... Oh, she's very happy? Oh, she gets to see... She wants, she, Han's never seen her native home, and so she gets to show him around. I feel like that's sweet, but it was such a gamble, because she could either be like, oh my god, how nice my home, or she could just have these total PTSD flashbacks, like, I watched it get blown up! Thankfully, it's a happy thing for her. It's probably a bit bittersweet. Okay. So now it's time to get married! Or not, because they don't have the birth certificates with them. Oh, no! Wait! There's, I didn't realize what the documentation was for marriages in the Star Wars universe. So you have to have your birth certificate. Well, hers presumably was blown well, up on Alderaan. That's exactly what the conversation they have. Are so, you serious? So Lando goes, you two have got your birth certificates with you, don't you? Han gulped. Are you kidding? Mine's at my sky house back on Bespin. stupid. Yeah, of course it is. And my birth certificate was destroyed when the Empire blew up Alderaan, Leia explained. <laughs> I feel like her excuse is very good. Hans is very bad. Hans is very stupid. Although it is kind of funny to be like, Hans, does, he just seems like such a fly-by-night, like spur-of-the-moment guy. Yeah. I like the fact that like through all his trials and travails, he's kept his birth certificate <laughs> on him. He's like, at some point, I'm going to need this. Hey, what do you think Chewie keeps in that bandolier? Hans birth certificate. All of his important documents. social security His card. W-2s, all of everything. <laughs> his 401k paperwork. Lando says it'll be okay. We can, we can get a new copy for you guys. We'll have to wait till tomorrow, though. Okay. So you have to wait. Chapter 5 is called The Disappearance. Of what? Well, it's the next day on Hologram Fun World, and Zorba and his goons arrive to mess things up. And they're kind of starting to, you know, wreck things and knock over trash cans and, and like, take cotton candy from babies. But then they find out that Princess Leia is here, and she's alive. Do you remember, Zorba thought she was killed yeah, in the last yeah, book. Yeah, 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 yeah. And not only that, she's at a magic show right now. <laughs> she killed my son. She doesn't get to enjoy magic trickery. I will avenge her at this magic show. And so the best way you can do this is by sending one of his guys to pretend to be a magician. <laughs> I 
<laughs> yeah, that literally is the most direct way to handle this. So he got his goon up. Send one of his guys to shoot her? No. No, no, no. no. Send one of his guys to pretend to be a magician. Now yes. we're talking. Yeah. So she gets up in stage as a volunteer as the goon magician is up there showing off tricks. And she tells him her name is Zelda Cluggerhorn. Oh, wow. Okay. Why does she? Doesn't want anyone to know that she's but there. But she could have picked like a slightly more normal sounding name. Zelda Cluggerhorn. Perfect. So they put her in a golden cage, and then they kill the lights, and the lights come back on, and she's gone. <gasps> so Zorba has Leia in a golden cage. He leaves Hologram Fun World, and he tells her he's going to take her to Tatooine and toss her in the Sarlacc pit as revenge. Oh, no! She's looking around, but she's not the only prisoner on board, because in the back, he also has a block of carbonite <gasps> carrying Trioculus. I thought you said Trioculus got vaporized. That's what we thought. But he didn't! He has him on board. Oh, my God. Are they going to have, like, an unlikely team-up? Well, this is chapter five. It's over. I have to find out in the next chapter. Okay. Can chapter we do the next chapter now? Chapter six is called The Mofferance. Oh! Okay. So, <laughs> I have to take a moment here. Yeah. I really love the concept of a Mofferance. Yeah. So, we all know what a Moff is. Ryan, what's a Moff? Explain it real quick. It's kind of like an imperial governor. They yeah. rule a sector of the galaxy, and Grand Moff Tarkin is one. Right. So, instead of calling it something normal, like, a, I don't know, like a gubernatorial summit or something, they combine Moff with conference to make Mofferance, and I really love that. That is, like, one of my favorite portmanteaus. Also, I really love Grand Moff Tarkin for some reason that nobody can adequately explain. Because he rules. But, but he, he wasn't at this one. No, this is... And also, I should mention, this is the only mention of a Mofferance in any Star Wars canon. Wait, is that true? Yes. So they made it up for this book? This is where the where the word comes from. It's well, from, this series must be good for something if it gave us the word Mofferance. But it doesn't start at the Mofferance. Okay. It starts with Han and the droids hurrying out of HFW, Hollywood yes. Film World, to catch up with Zorba before he gets to Tatooine. But on the Millennium Falcon, they find... Leia? Go Oh, it's the decoy. Oh, of course. It's the one with the laser eyes. And Luke pops out. He's there, too. <laughs> hey, guys. And also Ken. Oh. Like, hey, we thought you guys might need help. So they showed up. So everybody's like, yay, Luke is here. Oh, Ken is here, too. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Why'd you bring him? All right. Anyway, on to the Moffrens. Yeah. Which is on board yeah. a vessel called the Moff Ship. <laughs> which, is, which is currently orbiting Tatooine, of course. And the Moff, for instance, is all the Grand Moffs from all the different parts of the galaxy, all different sectors. Yeah, yeah. It's being led by Hissa? Oh, no, wait, Hissa, but Hissa died! We thought he melted like a candle, but no, 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 no. He survived the toxic sludge, but lost his arms and legs in the process. Oh my god, so even less happened in the previous book than we thought. Yes. Because we thought both Hissa and Trioculus died. No, they didn't. So that book was like an extra waste of time. Yep, so he has mechanical arms and it burned half of his pelvis, so he has a hover chair. <laughs> As the Zora half. Wait, did it burn off his wiener? His little hissa? His little, little hissa? Maybe. It doesn't mention it. It's a kid's book, but we can imagine. And he is super peeved because Kadan and Jedgar, remember that other prophet, yeah. left him in that toxic sludge to die. Well, yeah. He's very peeved. And so they're plotting, they're sharing gossip about how Kadan wants to disband the Grand Moffs completely and take over. Um, just because they're loyal to Trioculus. So, like, come on, what the heck? They're, they're scheming and, and conniving. And then out of hyperspace, you notice that the Zorba Express arrives. The Zorba Express. <laughs> That's Zorba's ship, if you remember. That's right. They, and they directly blame Zorba for vaporizing Trioculus, because Zorba gave the block of carbonite to the Supreme Prophets. Yeah, that's true. So I say, yes, we got him. This is great. They, so they tractor beam the Zorba Express with their moth ship. Don't. So now, see, now this is like a conflict for me. Yeah. Because if there's one thing I love, it's huts. If there's another thing I like, it's it's moths. Moth friends. So yeah. like, who do I even root for? 
So the Zorb Express is getting sucked up by the Moff ship, and then the Millennium Falcon comes in, into orbit as well. And they don't get noticed, but they do notice the Zorba ship getting sucked up by the Moths. They're like, oh, great. Now we have to fight Zorba and, and the, the Moths. Moths. I mean, in fairness, the Moths all seem to be like old, stately gentlemen. Mm-hmm. They might not be great at fighting their own battles, so. Yeah. Chapter 7 is called Traculus Restored. Ooh. So the Zorba Express is in the hangar bay, and Zorba's boys, they come out swinging, and they're shooting, and they're fighting, and fighting off stormtroopers, but they're restrained, including Zorba. They search the ship, and they find the block of Trioculus. And Zorba reveals they gave the Supreme Prophets a phony! <laughs> he laughs. Oh, Zorba, is there no end to your trickery? And so they restore Trioculus. And there's a conversation between him and Hissa. Do you want to do it with me? Yeah, I do. It's kind of it's kind of cute. This is another sort of like Oscar sort of scene, I think. Okay, so maybe. I had to like we had to play it real straight. Like maybe. no silly, no silly stuff. Well, there's a couple scenes here in this chapter that I think are very Oscar worthy. Again, in our movie version of this, I think we cast Haley Joel Osment as an adult as Ken. Yes. Right. As an adult, not as a child, as an adult. I don't know who we cast for Trackless and Hissa. Um. Okay. So for Trioculus, I was thinking like. Like Nicolas Cage, maybe? Okay, yeah, I can see so it. That would be really intense Nicolas and Cage, silly. Nicolas Cage, he would. He'd just be, like, yelling and stuff. And then for Hissa, like... He's bald and he has pointy teeth. Ralph Fiennes. Like, Voldemort. Ralph Fiennes, you think? Ralph Fiennes, yeah. I was thinking more like, like, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I stand corrected. Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Definitely Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Ralph Fiennes might be good at his travel. Hissa's like, definitely. I can't believe they're drinking a Merlot. <laughs> I think we might have our yeah, might have our casting mix. I think maybe Ray Fiennes is a good Traculus. Okay. Think Paul Giamatti is a very good Hissa. Okay. Okay. I'll show that. Okay. So let's read this comment. You want to be Hissa and I'll be Traculus? Yes. Okay. It goes, Hissa! Yes, my dark lordship, it is I! What's happened to you, Hissa? I lost my arms and legs in what you may call an industrial accident, your lordship, but don't fret about me. All that matters now is that you're alive and that you can bring Kadan under control again and lead the Empire to new, dark, and glorious victories against the Rebel Alliance. What has Kadan done? He's remained loyal to me, has he not? He gave me his dark blessing and accepted me as the ruler of the Empire. That is correct, Trioculus, but while you were frozen in carbonite, Kadan took back his dark blessing and declared himself to be the new imperial ruler. Curse him, then, and may the cosmic radiation of the Null Zone bake his brain! The prophets of the dark side can no longer be trusted. A prophet named Jedgar left me for dead in a puddle of toxic slime! <laughs> so the boys are back in town. This is like some Shakespearean I know, yeah. back together again. Yep. Reunited and it feels so, so good. good. You couldn't see me, but I was touching Joanna's face during that. Because imagine he's just like, Issa, what has happened to you? Issa, you have a kind face. <laughs> <laughs> so Zorba offers Traculus uh, Leia if he's allowed to be set free. Oh. So he's like, let me go and I give you Leia. That's right, because he wants to marry Leia. And Traculus is like, yes. <laughs> wow, okay. Not a very principled man. And so Traculus and Leia, they have a conversation too. And it's another very dramatic conversation. All right. So you ready to do this with me? Yes. Oh my God, yes. Again, this is another Oscar scene they would show at the Oscars. All right. The most powerful man in the galaxy, master of the dark side, and ruler of the Galactic Empire, commands that you accept his fond affection. Will you renounce the Rebel Alliance and give me your hand in marriage, Princess Leia? Sorry to spoil your demented plans, Trioculus, but I've already accepted a marriage proposal from Han Solo. Han Solo? The Rebel Corellian cargo pilot? Do you think for one moment that he can offer you what I can? Will he grant you starships to command? Planet? 
planets to rule? Kadan seems to think that he rules the Empire, Trioculus. The prophets of the dark side say you're a has-been. Word is out that you're nothing but a fake. Your attitude, princess, must really go a drastic change if you ever hope to get out of that cage. How would you enjoy watching Zorba the Hutt toss into the mouth of the Sarlacc? Do with Zorba as you like. I gave you my word that I would free him, but wouldn't the thrill of revenge delight you? The Empire blew up my home planet of Alderaan. If you're really the ruler of the Empire as you claim, Trioculus, then you're a thousand times more of an enemy to me than Zorba the Hutt. So, you still refuse to accept me, and you continue to scorn my affection and noble intentions toward you. Trioculus narrowed all three of his eyes. I scorn everything about you. Don't think I've forgotten that you born... Don't think I've forgotten that you burned the rainforests of Yavin 4, Trioculus, all because you wanted to find the entrance to the lost city of the Jedi and destroy our Jedi prince. Perhaps you'd prefer if I turn you back over to Zorba then, princess. What would you say to that? Leia said nothing. <laughs> Your answer is yes, then? You choose to be with Zorba rather than with me? Quickly speak, or you shall seal your fate forever! Leia knew she had to buy time. Surely Han had figured out what happened to her by now. But would Spin send a rescue mission? Or would her own Jedi powers have to aid her somehow in finding a means to escape? Everything Leia had tried to do had failed so far, including the Jedi mind-clouding technique, which had no effect upon Trioculus at all. Don't give me over to Zorba. So I'm making progress with you then. Ooh. So that means they're going to get married. Yeah, well, she doesn't have much of a choice. Well, I mean, joke's on Trioculus because she doesn't have a birth certificate. Nope. <laughs> He can wave that. He's powerful enough. So he demands a wedding arrangement be made immediately uh, aboard the Moff ship. And some stormtroopers take off Princess Leia to get ready. Chapter 8, The Imperial Wedding. The last chapter of our book here. As the Moff ship enters Tatooine airspace, the Millennium Falcon secretly attaches itself to the bottom of it. And the gang on board sneaks on board with their Leia decoy. Because it's time for a switcheroo. Oh my god, they're going to swap out his bride for him with laser eyes! Meanwhile, down in the hangar bay, Triculus drops Zorba into the Sarlacc pit. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of like a from the really air. offhanded way of saying, from the air? Yeah, it's like above. Operation Dumbo Drop, except it's, you know, a big fat hut into a Sarlacc pit. Yeah, slurps them up like spaghetti. Cool beans. Wait, I thought that they couldn't eat huts. Well, wait on that. Hold that. Thought. Oh, okay. Now it's okay. on to the Imperial Wedding. So while Princess Leia is being escorted, Han, Luke, Lando, and Ken, of course, jump them and steal their armor. And they swap Leia with the decoy and head to the Millennium Falcon. So now it's decoy Leia going up to the wedding, not real Leia. Wow. Wow, indeed. Wow. And Hissa presides over the wedding ceremony. And you do a pretty good Hissa, so I want you to preside over this wedding for me, okay? Okay. Starting here. We are witnesses to a momentous event, the marriage of our imperial ruler to Princess Leia Organa, who shall now, of her own free will, renounce the Rebel Alliance and offer her eternal allegiance to the dark side. Thus, Leia will prepare herself to follow in the path of her father, Darth Vader, and at last shall become our queen, the queen of the Empire. But first, some fitting words for the occasion. By imperial law, when the Emperor takes a wife, she becomes his property, obliged to obey his every word and bow down before him whenever he wishes a show of obedience. And at that moment, Decoy Leia shoots lasers out of her eyes and shoots Triculus in the heart. Okay. <laughs> That's so awesome. And Triculus goes, ah, demon of darkness. <laughs> That's, you know what, Ryan? Yeah. Like, if those aren't my dying words, <laughs> then, then don't even give me a funeral because I don't deserve it. So everyone shoots the decoy. She blows up the tape. Rats! It was a robot the whole time. 
So the, the Millennium Falcon flies away, and they're laughing about how maybe eloping wasn't such a great idea after all. <laughs> that was crazy, right, guys? Now we can go back to Mount Yoda, have a proper wedding. We can invite Chewie and my Mothma and Baji. No, don't invite Baji. Baji's going to ruin every... She's, he's going to, like, he's going to get, you know, hammered yeah. on whatever cheap booze is on tap, and he's going to try and give a wedding speech, and it's all he's going to, like, try and make it rhyme. He's going to tell a bunch of inappropriate stories. Yeah. Say his invitation got lost in the mail. Oh, jeez. Sorry, Baji. I know like, we, we all we know about Yoda and everything. We don't know like... what, like, your permanent address is. We didn't really know how to send it. And he's like, I've been with you guys the whole time. It's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, sorry. We must have just forgotten... And, you know, we kind of figured, like, we have a wedding registry, but we know you, like, you're not into the internet, so we kind of figured, like, you wouldn't be able to get us a present, you feel really awkward. And... We're having, like, a kind of a techno rave wedding, you probably won't be into it, so. <laughs> That's an inside joke about my sister. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, meanwhile, it cuts back down to Tatooine, and the Sarlacc pit's having some trouble. It's kind of, like, wriggling and acting all weird. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. It's having some... <laughs> I ate the bones. <laughs> I ate the bones. <laughs> He's having some indigestion, and it spits out Zorba. <gasps> Still whole and intact? Yep. Nothing can stop Zorba. Because huts can't be digested by Sarlacc pits. Why didn't Trioculus know that? He doesn't know anything about Sarlacc pits. Stupid idiot. And Zorba has a cool one-liner to end the book. He says, Well, I didn't care for the taste of you either. <laughs> oh, I love how he did that, even though there was nobody there to hear it. Zorba's the best. Zorba is pure class. That's the end of Queen of the Empire. Gosh, I liked that one, actually. Yeah, so in the rankings, before we said you read, number one was your favorite. Yeah. Then number three, because it had Zorba in it. Yeah. Then number two, because of the rainforest burning. Yes. And then number four, because it was terrible. This is my favorite now. Really? Queen of the Empire? Yeah, the order stays the same, except this is my favorite one Five now. of the tops. So what do you like yeah. about it? Um, I even, just even like... Bodgy? Even with Bodgy in the um, first scene? Mm-hmm. But it was only one scene, and... You, you made one rhyme. You didn't... Yeah, you didn't read, like, most of his rhymes out loud, so it's okay. Only, that was the only rhyme he gave. Okay, so see, that's, like, a major advantage. No, I liked it because, like, a lot of a lot of stuff happened. Yeah, the Moffrins happened. The mo- I love... The Moffrins happened. There was also a lot of Zorba. Yep. Um, there was a lot of, like, scenery chewing by Trioculus and Hissa. No, I, I liked it. This and Trioculus is bleeding to death now, so... That's cool, too. That's where it ends. You get That's killed awesome by too. Princess Leia decoy with laser eyes. Yeah, I love like, it. What a ridiculous ending. That but... was a hilarious, like, a, like I've seen a lot of weddings that get halted at the last minute, but never because, like, the bride is a decoy who shoots the groom in the heart with her laser yep. eyes. <laughs> that was awesome. We have one book left. Yeah, we do. Part six of six. I can't yep. wait to see how it ends. I have some sound effects, though, before we leave. Okay, I'm ready. Kaboom! Um, that was Alderaan exploding along with Princess Leia's birth certificate. That was an exploding orb? What, what kind of orb? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't remember where was I got it. Was it like the orb, orb that Donald Trump had his hand on in that one yes. like, photo shoot? The, the, the orb with all the Saudi prince friends <laughs> yeah. exploded. Kaboom! Swoosh! Whoa. Um, that's Hissa stubbing his toe. That's a fart hurricane. That's <laughs> awesome! <laughs> I always wondered what's on a fart hurricane. You mean it wasn't like, uh, yeah, but that, but like extended. Oh my god. Zitch! Zitch? Zitch. Um, that is Triaculus accidentally getting a little of his skin stuck in his zipper. If by that you mean getting shot in the heart, then yes. Okay. <laughs> what is a laser but a zipper and what is your heart but skin? Last one. Thump, thump, thump. That's the monster that walks up the stairs of our apartment building every single night and comes and breathes on your face, but I've always been too scared to tell you. Joanna. Yeah. It's actually Triculus as his blood began to flow with every beat of his heart. 
Right, Jed! That yeah. is some gore. Yeah. That is some gore that I can appreciate. Yep. No doors, though, this time. Not a single door. See, now this is another reason why I think number five is the best, <laughs> because it does have eight million onomatopoeias for tours. That's all I got. <laughs> wow, good one, babe. Thank you. Well, we've been getting a lot more social media engagement recently, which yeah. I want to thank everybody for. Please keep it up. Um, the more yeah. people engage, the more of a fun community it's going to be. Yeah. And we will be building, like, a proper website soon. At some point. Yeah. We're yeah. planning on using Squarespace because, like, that's the one that's in all the podcast advertisements. We're being sponsored by Squarespace as well as Stamps.com, uh, uh, Blue Apron. Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses. Uh, Dollar Shave Club. Extreme Restraints. Extreme Restraints.com. <laughs> Mail Kimp. Mail, Mail Kimp? All those are sponsoring us. All those will be involved in our website, so get ready for that. Yeah, um, but I think that'll be like a really awesome thing. So keep a, a keep an eye out for that. Mm-hmm. And you can also feel free to email us in the meantime at what's lightsabersprecious at gmail.com. Yep, on Twitter and Facebook, what's lightsabersprecious. Look for those, you'll find us. Uh, we're on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, so if you like what you hear, go on that podcast app on your phone and. Click some of those stars. So thanks for listening. Appreciate the time you put into it. You're the best. You're we still have a good name for them. We haven't like. I feel like. Well, I called them halflings like once, and I then call you called them mad claws like once. Like once. But I feel like we need something that combines both sides. Yeah. And I don't know what those would be. Maybe we should have a poll. Yeah, let's make a poll. If you have any suggestions, email them to us. Uh, we'll come up with some ideas and ask you what you think. But if your suggestion is going to be something like big, fat, ugly face, baby eating O'Brien, then don't even bother. <laughs> or like Hitler did nothing wrong. Hitler did nothing wrong. <laughs> Sierra Miss. <laughs> <laughs> I will not call my fan Sierra Miss. That is a it's very good happen. name. It's a great name. All right. All right. We'll see you next week, guys. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.